It's time for building the game. Building the game with Jason and friends. Tabletop game design. The fun forever It's at the end of the episode. That's when it technically ends. Hello and welcome to Building the Game, a documentary podcast. Today is Monday, 9-16, and you're listening to episode 381. Uh, Just Jason here, checking in with you. Uh, We've got a nice Grand Con recap coming up at you uh, with special guest Neil Roberts and Kelly Hoagland. Here's the show. Well, hey, here we are after a very successful Grand Con. We're all here, and um, we are... Everyone's here. Everyone. Everyone from Grand Con is in Neil's car. Yep. We were going to uh, record last night, but uh, we were really tired from uh, a long day of grand conning, two long days of grand conning. Yeah. So we did not record, and we're recording on the way home now. So here is uh, myself, Jason, uh, joined by uh, Neil Roberts. You've met him before. It's and, an honor just to be nominated. And uh, Kelly Hoagland. Hello. So we are, yeah, driving home. Uh, we had a really, really productive con, though. Uh, all three of us, actually. Yep. First, let's talk about the Frank Lloyd Wright house we stayed in uh, yep. on Thursday night in Kalamazoo. For our designers night, our, our pre-gaming. Yeah. It's nice. All courtesy of Neil's uh, shenanigans. Yep. So, Which we don't need to talk about. No. Uh, but the house was amazing. Uh, it was in a development in uh, Galesburg, right by where I live. And uh, I didn't even know it was there. Yeah. So. But it was uh, it was pretty cool. Oh, yeah. So we had a good time there. We also did some playtesting and such. Uh, playtested my kids' games. That was good. Uh, and then we also talked through some of our games. And uh, Cut up a lot of stuff. Cut up a lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah. That's true. We played uh, Kelly's game that night, right? We did play a round of the game formerly known as Circuitous, now known as Fledge. And we decided it was good. We did. Well, we decided that a long time ago. But we yeah. decided still good. Still good. <laughs> still good. Well, it's got a it's got a retheme and uh, has another has another way of scoring points that uh, makes the rest of it click a lot more and give you something larger to do than just getting points in a in a row. For those who don't know about it, you want to tell us a little bit about it. Of course, uh, Fledge is a path or free placement path building game where you grow out from a single points. You play as uh, settlers that are moving out from a first colony to settle new colonies. So. There are several different uh, campsites that are potential settlements you're going to build. You build paths out, and as you build paths out, you push those campsites back. Only the points that only the cards from the colony to the campsite actually score points or are worth any points. So you get points based on your cards on that path, their point value, and then also each card has a different resource: uh, stone. Well, not each card. There are four different resources, uh, but there are stone, water, food, and wood. Uh, so that functions like a poker hand suit, and so you, between the numbers and that, you can get a bonus points based on the combination you can make on a single path. So it behooves you to make multiple paths so you can get multiple combos. Gosh, when did you start working on this game? I feel like I've played it multiple years. Yes, uh, I first started working on this game like in October 2015. I only know that because it was uh, part of a game jam, game design contest thing. Oh, awesome, awesome. But it's gone through many iterations since then, mainly thanks to input from Jason, Neil, and others. Got to pitch it this weekend, so that was nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sent a copy home with someone, so that fingers is, crossed. That is an awesome thing to be able to do. Yeah. Uh, 
so yeah, we, uh, we we played that. We also um, apparently fixed some problems with Neil's rum row game while yeah. we were really tired and don't remember. <coughs> yeah. Yep. So that was cool. Um, Neil, you want to talk a bit about rum row and how that uh, is going? Yeah, I mean it's uh, it's mostly a pick up and deliver game, but it has a pretty thick layer of euro on top where. Even though it's pick up and deliver, there's still spaces that let you uh, use actions that change the way that you can do routing around the board and change how you deal with resources and stuff like that. There's a lot of converting resources of, to other yeah, resources. Converting and and yeah, movement and, and it's a kind of little puzzly strategy game. Yeah. Um, and uh, kind of one of the things I'd added to it was a uh, kind of an action tableau uh, in the last iteration, and there was kind of one specific action that I hadn't quite figured out, uh, and you guys recommended kind of a thing, easy thing to try, and I tried it, and it worked really well. It was actually, I ended up pitching it later on, and the publisher actually said that that was a good way to deal with that mechanic, so in your half-awake stupor, you came up with some good ideas. Yeah, yeah, despite our best efforts... Boom! Good ideas. Yeah. So yeah, so that was uh, it was Friday. We had some really good pizza. So I discovered a lot. Of, I mean Thursday. I discovered a lot on Thursday that there were Frank Lloyd Wright houses by my house, and also there's a super great pizza place not too far from my house. That was good. So, yeah. and then we got my wife and I got invited back to the Frank Lloyd Wright house to drink wine and hear all about the neighborhood. So yeah. we're gonna try and take the dude up on that because that's pretty cool. Good. The guy who owns the house is like a Broadway star or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you should get some definitely get some stories about that. Yeah, absolutely. It's Friday morning. We uh, went up to Grand Con and uh, went to our next Airbnb, which was uh, fine. It was fine. It was decidedly not a Frank Lloyd Wright house. <laughs> that is but true. It, but it was uh, it was plenty nice, and uh, it suited our purposes well. It was also very cheap, which also suited our purposes very well. We uh, So Friday morning, we went over to Grand Con, and uh, I don't remember how we started off. We found Kopak. Oh, yes. Yes, we did. We found Kopak while walking around the vendor hall. So for those of you who haven't been to Grand Con, Grand Con is a, a super large room, uh, like one big like open area room. And um, in the middle are a bunch of gaming tables uh, and a few vendors. And then all around the outside are vendor tables and then in booths and then the game library as well. Um, so... So yeah, that's uh, it's kind of it's it's nice because you can always find people there. Yeah. Uh, because it's just one big open room. Uh, there were there's an unpub area and there was like a Pathfinder place too where people were playing Pathfinder and Starfinder, which is the thing I've never heard of, but I I can guess what it is, uh, based on the probably highly accurate title. Yeah. So we found Kobeck. We uh, ended up going to lunch really early uh, to Atwater Brewing. Our, this podcast sponsored by Atwater. <laughs> Basically. More like Atwater sponsored by this podcast. How much <laughs> we ate it. Um, we, uh, we really love Atwater. They have good food, good beer, good everything. Uh, they're fast and they're what, two blocks away from the, the hall. I mean, technically across the road from the hall. but Yeah. Oh, yeah. We went there three times. Tried uh, for four times, but right. the schedule didn't allow it. It did not. Uh, that allowed us to go to the dog pit, which is another favorite one. So, 
So anyways, uh, so Friday, we uh, the stuff we did on Friday that was important was played a bunch of games. We had a great time playing different games with people. Um, we did some testing. Uh, was it Friday that you all played Skeleton Keys? Yes. Yeah, which is a game I talked about on the show a very long time ago. I was thinking more about theme agnostic games where the theme just really doesn't matter. And um, thinking about that, uh, looking through some old games I have where I could put a different theme on them. And Skeleton Keys is a, is a deduction game where you're uh, trying to be sneaky and score uh, the, your keys that you've been assigned uh, while not allowing people to realize what your key is. And then people can bet camel up style to try to figure out what your key is. And uh, well, the big, yeah, the big thing was handing out the keys to other players. Right. That was why what I thought was really neat about the game. Right. So you um, you actually get keys, and then um, you uh, uh, hand them to other players. Uh, so you get a number of keys equal to the players, and actually you now get one for yourself too. So you keep one for yourself, and then you give one to all the other players, and then everybody puts those face up. Um, in front of them, either in a score pile or a not score pile, so that the keys are all visible, uh, which gives you information about what they might be going for. And um, yeah, it, it worked better than I expected, frankly. And uh, got some really good feedback from um, Roscoe. Roscoe, yep. Uh, me, Neil, did you play Skeleton Keys? Yes. All yep. Right. And then I think Nate. Nate, Nate. yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, so y'all gave really good feedback. Yeah, because I guess I did not play. I just watched. So um, always really good feedback from, from you all. Roscoe is, is also really, really good at giving good feedback. Yeah, I feel bad we didn't play one of his games again. I know. We're well, users. I know. I played his game at Gen Con. Uh, yeah, I, haven't, so I haven't played. It was really good. Like uh, his, his uh, Hummingbird Flower game. I can't remember what it's called, but all the stuff I've seen from him is, is good stuff. He had a... Roll and write push your luck game. Yeah, that I really wish I could have gotten to play because it looked like a lot of fun. It did. He said he ran out of sheets. That's how many times he tested it. So, um, knowing Roscoe, I'm sure he brought a good amount of sheets. So, well, one that's of the, awesome. That was from like the Gen Cant D and D dice competition. Oh, okay. So, like one of the first things you had to do in the game was roll a d6, and then you had to roll like a d. 10 or something like that next uh-huh. and uh, if the the number of the d10 was the same uh, or low or higher than the d6 uh-huh. then you didn't bust and you can keep rolling and then you can pick like basically you can keep picking any of the dice to roll next so you can like roll a d6 and then a d20 if you're really if you're like a 6 on your d6 you might roll a d20 next to try to avoid busting right right and then the total number of dice that you've rolled you get to assign those as points in this system, and then like he has a few different types of, of roles that different actions take. That was really interesting. Yeah, that sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. It was. He had a lot of uh, different options you could do and uh, things, decisions to make within the roll and write other than just the dice. Because there were re rolls you could earn and limited resource of those that you could spend, and then different things you could do to because it is a D and D that style thing. So there are monsters to fight, so you can get extra health, uh, armor, all of that. Yeah, I'm super bummed I didn't get to play that. That sounds like a lot of fun. It looked cool, well, but now with you guys describing it, I want to play it even more. <laughs> when we were over playing Three Coronations, uh, people started cheering and whatnot, so it's yes. got to be a good yes. game if they're getting that kind of reaction. I think, I think he was describing that where someone 
uh, used 13 rerolls uh, on their last monster that they had to fight. And on their last reroll, they rolled a, like a crit. Nice. So they had, they had, it was the last possible time they were going to be able to, to win that round. Nice. That is cheer worthy. Did we play taverns oh, on yes. Friday as well? We played taverns on Friday. We played uh, Little Town on Friday. Would recommend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you picked it up. Yeah, I did pick it up. So I'm going to pick it up soon because that was, uh, yeah, I really enjoyed that too. The, uh, the strategy in that game. So you're building, you're building uh, buildings. Create your building buildings um, in this open field where there are resources, and you're also putting out your your people to collect resources, um, which are things like food, wood, rock. Is that it? Just food, wood, and rock, and then wheat yeah. sometimes. So the normal food is fish, but you can put out wheat fields and then start growing wheat as well. Um, so the strategy uh, to win is not incredibly apparent, at least was not to me, right away. I made some super bad choices in the beginning of the <laughs> game. Um, and uh, it became very evident that, like, uh, Kelly, who made some very good choices early in the game, was going to win, like, by a lot. And um, so that was a little bit of a bummer because I don't like when Kelly wins. Um, no. It was a little bit of a bummer because it was... I mean, it was, I wouldn't say a runaway leader. I think some people could have caught you, but it was yeah. going to be real close. You all would have had to make, at the end, there were a couple different spots I could go to guarantee I won, and it would have required several different players doing the right thing in the right order to make sure I could. Right, right. And yeah. to be fair, as uh, as Kopak said when I was like, oh, I don't really like this runaway leader thing, he was like, well, you, we, we let it happen. <laughs> we could have blocked Kelly. Um, second play of that game would be very different. Yes. Um, because, you know, now we understand, oh, don't let people get these wicked combos that uh, allow them to do a bunch. Yeah. Um, but that had the uh, interesting mechanic that I've uh, saw in a couple games this weekend where what you built, someone else could use. So if right. you set up your combo, somebody else could take advantage of it. They just had to give away they had to. Reason. They had to pay you, which was... And that was, so what I didn't realize, pro tip, if you play in my little town or little town, little town, yeah, uh, if you play that, uh, the money is really important. Uh, it doesn't necessarily seem like it's going to be important in the beginning, but it turns out it's really important because yeah. uh, you can't use other people's buildings unless you pay them money. Uh, and some of the buildings are funny because like I could pay Kelly a money and then still make money off the building. Yeah. Uh, but if you didn't have money, you couldn't make money. So rich get richer basically was the uh, lesson from that game. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Tavernum was pretty cool. Oh yes. Uh, like not quite a press your luck element, but kind of a mix of worker placements, die drafting, deck building, and a vague press your luck uh, air. Cause you had a dice drafting system to get your workers which then you placed on the cards you drew from the deck building system that contained patrons as well as special things that so you roll more dice alter the score on dice get more resources from different workers and once you filled up the patrons you had to stop drawing so it was a matter of when you got those so you kind of had to make sure you had the small amount of the right amount of patrons in your deck and on from there right and then you had to determine 
if you didn't like the patrons you got, you could trash them if you had these special monks that you got a few during the game. Yeah. Um, but it was, it was, yeah, like those monks also helped you in other ways. So it was yeah. like, do I just have a crappy round and move on? Um, but that game is, oh yeah, that's one of my new favorites. Um, it's very intuitive to play. I think that's what really sells it. And it was like a kind of a different puzzle every round. Yeah. Cause like that was really the thing that, that happened is that these, uh, these game, what, what you drew created different systems. Yeah. And it looks so complex and it's so not, um, and it the game is complex, but it's not complicated. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that is awesome because so many, so many games that are complex are also complicated. Very true. Kopak and I played Lovelace and Babbage. Yeah. How was that? That's really good. Like the the easiest way to say it is that it's kind of a puzzly math game where you kind of draw seven numbers and you start with a number and there's a number of mathematical operations on the board and you have to use those mathematical operations up to like sometimes five but seven if you use special actions to try to hit as many of those numbers as possible uh, and it's a race so different players are all doing it at the same time uh, and then whoever goes out first you have one more minute after that there's like a little sand timer so it's very like stressful slash brain burny uh, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, that sounds like a lot of math. Yeah. Sounds like I'd be bad at that game. Uh, and uh, Jess Davis uh, demoed it, uh, who's the lead developer on the game. Oh, nice. So. Nice. Very cool. Uh, yeah, I've heard lots of good things about it beforehand. Gen Con, people were talking about it. Yeah. So. Did we do anything else on Friday? I'd we... like to go to Atwater again. What was it that you were having your dinner for? The uh, 4 p.m. dinner? Oh, that was... Was that Friday? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was... Um, so, Banana and I, uh, we... I pitched her another uh, social deduction g- game, party game. So, we brainstormed about that. And, um, yeah, and that works. That, I, I think, is going to be good. We're going to start diving into that one right away. And then, uh, Neil developed a game uh, on the walk back. Yeah. Uh, that uh, sounds amazing. Probably shouldn't share all of that. It's about, it's about art collection and and forcing players to form an unhealthy uh, affinity for playing cards, and then end up feeling really bad. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's the game. Uh, but we will. Uh, I'm sure we will talk more about that in a later episode. Yeah. I'm confident. Once we get it working. Yes. Yeah, so. Uh, so, anyways, that uh, was a lot of fun. What did we do after we ate? What did we do after we ate? Well. You all went for coffee, and I went back. Oh, yes, we did get coffee. That's where the game was born, though, on the trip for coffee. So it's yeah. very good we went for coffee. Um, we were offered to play a game that sounded really cool. Uh, oh, an RPG, but we opted out. It, it was it seemed a little heavy for uh, the, the mood we were in that night. <laughs> also, so, we were... That was the same time we were had started playing games with Kopech, and one of the games we were playing ran longer than expected and into the time that we were planning on going. Right. So what was the game that ran long? Uh, I think that might have been Taver, Taverna, okay. but I think that was just because, like you said, it's not complex, but it is, or it's not complicated, but it is complex, so it took a little while right. to understand how everything yeah, yeah, clicked yeah. together. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, man, I want to play that game right now. <laughs> oh, it's really good. Really there good. was uh, so one other thing. So Friday, just shopping around, there were some really great artists there. I was telling the guys before, I, I really love the artists um, that you get at cons like Grand Con. You know, at Gen Con, you get all these big artists who are great, right? They've got really good stuff. Um, but you don't always see, like, the quirky little art stuff, like, that some people are doing because they just, a Gen Con booth probably, A, isn't attainable for them, and B, they don't, at least not now. I don't mean that in a negative way. The Gen Con booths are incredibly expensive. And um, if they don't have uh, enough arts to, to, you know, do a Gen Con booth, right? Um, so you get a lot of these really cool local artists and such. And I love that. Uh, so I picked up uh, a couple different things. One, these little crocheted uh, Pokemon uh, that were shaped kind of like Pokeballs, uh, but they were actually Pokemon um, figures. Uh, so I got one for both my kids. I was very excited about that, as were they. Um, and then there was another artist there, and I don't remember her name. Um, I did grab her card. Oh, Lindsay Polis. Uh, AKA Lady Random Box. So Lady Random Box looks like on Instagram. So she had some really cool stuff. I bought two pieces from her. They were really reasonably priced. They were like nice thick cardstock poster size. Yeah. Um, I got an Into the Spider-Verse one, which was uh, all of the main characters from Spider-Verse uh, together. That one looked great. With like Starburst paneling. Yeah, 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 it was really nice. That was one of the best things about her artwork is she had some really creative use of the paneling. Yes. The, the posters. And then the other one I got, because it was like 10 bucks for one or 15 for two. Um, and so I picked up for my uh, for my kids a uh, Pokemon one she did that was just so weird. It was like Pokemon doing different things. In the bottom, they're like camping. Charizard is making marshmallows toasted with his flame breath. And It uh, was split into the three groups of the starters of Pokemon from all the series. Oh, is that what that is? Okay. Yeah, yeah I didn't know that. So, But it was it was pretty great. So I picked that one up as well. Gonna don't nobody tell my son that's gonna be a Christmas present. So, <laughs> a nice five dollar Christmas present. Just gotta buy a frame. Yeah. Um, so yeah, those were the main things that I bought. Um, I also bought a game for the kids, uh, uh, Gelato Go Go Gelato, which is a game where you're passing gelato back and forth like on top of these ice cream cones. Um, and that was uh, yeah, that that looks like a lot of fun, and it was super cheap. Uh, Kelly, you bought uh, Little Town. That was yep. when I bought Little Town, yeah. And uh, I actually got to play test the next day, um, Dr. Eureka. Like, I did a demo of that. Uh, that one looked interesting, too, where you're like trying to move balls back and forth between beakers to make certain patterns. Um, yeah, so that was those are both blue-orange games. So was that it for, I think we called it a night at that point, uh, Friday nights. Yeah. Went back to the Airbnb and just hung out for a bit. Um, <laughs> we went on an adventure. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, we had this uh, Lyft driver. Uh, she drove a minivan, which uh, was very comfortable. An Odyssey. An Odyssey. For yeah. And then she um, took us through a bunch of closed roads and a bunch of dirt paths uh, with a, uh, yeah, with um, with her Odyssey. It was, uh, it was an adventure, she said. She said, We'll see if this road's closed or not. Uh, if it is, uh, we'll just go on an adventure. <laughs> and she wasn't lying. We did. And uh, we made it safely. Uh, despite the Odyssey's best uh, best efforts, we made it safely. 
the uh, uh, we actually took one the next night, and it was a dude driving a Jeep Patriot. Uh, and he said, oh, the road is closed. And I said, yeah, but she did it in a minivan. And he's like, well, then then we can definitely do it. <laughs> so he was all about it. Um, yeah, so Saturday, Saturday was the, was the bigger day of the two, I would say, for all of us. Yeah, it's true. Um, so Saturday, one of the we went and got some breakfast uh, at Big B Coffee. Uh, I've, I've made these guys fans. Well, not Kelly, because he doesn't like coffee, but... Uh, Nope. He did like their food, I believe. Yeah, so solid food. Um, so Saturday morning, we went over and pretty much right away we tested three coronations, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. and which we discovered uh, one rule for that Neil and Jason are very bad about downselling their games <laughs> before we play them. We had made a lot of changes without playtesting it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we were not uh, we were not expecting it to go very well. Yeah. Not that we're expecting to go badly. Well, I think... We had no idea. Part of the problem, I think part of us, were, we were a little gun-shy because when we went to Origins, we expected yeah. it to go very well because in our in our just two-player playtesting, it went very well, and then it did not go very well. Uh, so I think with, we, we've literally not playtested a full game since then. We've yeah. done a few rounds together, which just felt like they went okay. Um, but it turns out it went really well. Yeah. It was super fun. It was super. Fun. The thing that I really enjoyed about watching it, because like Jason and I were able to both observe. Yes. Good enough playtesters. Uh, was there was kind of like this. It was supposed. The, the theme of the game is that you're like on a council and you're all advisors on the council. And as people played it, they were basically acting the way that you would think people would act if they were on a council. Exactly. Advising the monarch. So people were like fanning through their proposals and picking the best proposals and, and looking very studious as they did so. And then when they voted, they, you know, they were standing up and like, where do I put my tokens? It was, it was really fun to watch. Yeah, it was. And, and they gave some really good feedback, um, on how to, uh, fix a few little problems. There weren't a lot of problems, um, but there were just a few things that didn't feel great. Um, I'm Kelly, still not you want sure. To give your thoughts. I'm not sure what Nate had to do with the uh, loyalty track. Still, still a little confused about that. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> Calling back to our awesome feedback we got at Origins. Yeah. Uh, no, it was pretty interesting. There were a few minor tweaks that, uh, because of the way the scoring tracks works, it was really easy for you to just get hosed on the uh, point conditions. But they added a couple changes, and once they did, it got a lot less that way. It gave you a little more control over what you're doing and added another decision point that was pretty straightforward. So it added a decent amount. It was pretty pretty cool. I, I dug it. Yeah, we, um, we added in a few, um, we added in a few uh, one-time use powers uh, that still are a penalty when you use them, but it allows you to refresh some cards and do some different things. So you only want to use them if you absolutely have to. Mm -hmm. uh, because of the penalty, but they can save you if you use them. And so I think Kelly, did you win that game? No, I didn't win that game. Whoever won, though, I remember traded in cards with they did. that ability. Yeah. Um, we mean, also figured out two other things. One, the graphic design was bad. <laughs> um, but Which we had done no graphic design. Right. But here's the cool thing, right? We had a fantastic discussion around graphic design, where we figured out exactly what we need to do to make to solve the issues of people kind of like, I don't know where to look. There's so much data here. 
uh, figuring out that we can turn the board into the, the council room that you're meeting in. Um, and by doing that, uh, we can use that to draw people's eyes to the right places and make it very intuitive as to where things go. Um, certainly an inspiration for that is, is like a tavern, uh, the Tiefenthal game, because they do a very good job of that, drawing your eyes to the right place. Uh, and that's what we were attempting to do. Yeah. Well, my favorite change we made was the double crown roll. Oh, yes. yeah, that was a good one. Yes, and that was on the fly. Go ahead and explain that. So I don't know who came up with the exact mechanism for it, um, but we wanted, we had a, one of the double crowns was that one of the uh, tracks gets reset to its base value. Uh, and we had been thinking up until then that like whoever's first player would decide that, but it, that, that particular one seemed way too powerful. So people were kind of like, uh, I don't, I don't know. Uh, and someone proposed, we already have these voting tokens, which in a four player game are like zero, zero, one, and two. Uh, and, and change a little bit depending on player count. But they're like, well, why don't we... We already have a spot on the board for each of the four different tracks. Why don't we just take our voting tokens and put them one in each track? So like, I'll put my zero, one here, zero, one here, one here, two here. And it's neat because it's a, it's a vote, but it's not just a binary vote of, of yes, no. You end up with uh, an actual like highest value. So, like, in a four-player game, you're technically saying, like, this is my preferred one, but if it, I don't get that one, this one's my second one. Exactly. So you end up with more like a, a, a split a split ballot, which was really, really cool. And it's another one of those, like, the, 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 the interesting moments of the game seem to be those moments where people are all gathered around and strategizing. Yep. So because that was so fun with that one little change... Uh, we decided to go back and look at all the double crowns and see if we can make them all something you vote on. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, people liked it. It was a good interaction. It was thematic. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think those were the major changes we made to the yeah. game. We dropped a season just yeah. to make the game tighter. So uh, every round know. had four seasons now. Every round has three seasons. Yeah, and it seems fine like that. Yep. Yeah. That was actually, though, what called into question the voting yeah. because... When there were four seasons in a four-player game, everyone gets to um, have a round yeah. um, of being in charge. Now they don't in a four-player game. So this was an easy solution for that that actually turned out to make it way better anyways. Yeah. I did really like the uh, personality chart, the little quadrant system with the models. That was all Leo. That was Rob. Oh, that was Rob. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. We miss you, Rob. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, yeah. The way the quadrant system works is that whatever um, proposal ends up getting the most votes, and if there's two, it both of them, they on them they have a uh, an attribute, sort of like a negative uh, character quality of an error, like yep. cowardice, right? To where the when you when you get the most votes on a proposal, the proposal also says how it affects the air. Uh, and the labels are on each four, each of the four corners. And so it pulls it diagonally, like up, right, down, left, like a, a combination of those. And then when you, when that air is the next monarch and you roll a crown, you take that quadrant and you say like, is it the top quadrant? If it is, you follow the top quadrant rules, which are generally to change a resource. Right. 
And if it's on the left, then you'd say like, I'm going to look on the left side and see what yep. uh, is being changed. What two values will what be two changed. Values will be changed. And we structured it so that there's one that is always arguably the best way to get them where they will make affect things positively. Um, but on most of them out of, you know, out of the three choices, uh, you know, that you could have three of them will have at least one negative number. One of them will have two negative numbers and then one will have two positive numbers. Usually not every time, but that was something we tried to do to just to kind of guide people in the direction of would do I want to do positives or negatives? And it's a, it's a neat kind of system where you have a lot of control over it because if you're trying to manipulate a resource, you have two different ways to manipulate it because two, right. of, two of the um, air, ways that it affects the air are, are going to be in a direction that you want it to be. Right. So um, other than that, we just cleaned up some things. We made an order of operations for uh, handling dice rolls because, again, it used to be based on the player who was the active player that round. But now, because that's not a thing, uh, we just went ahead and based it on that. Um, so, yeah, it should be good. Um, everyone had fun. Yeah, like, everybody. Was... So that was the big thing is everybody had fun. Um, and then Nate, uh, who said, who's your biggest fan? Because he pulled off something amazing for us. <laughs> he happened to be playing a game with a publisher, the demo, I think, just a ticketed demo. He was playing it with them. And the publisher happened to say, what games you played this weekend? Um, and uh, Nate said, well, I played this sweet game called Three Coronations. Uh, understanding that the publisher he was sitting with, this was probably a decent fit for them. Uh, so publisher gave him a card and said, get them over here. I want to see it when they get a chance. Uh, so we sat down. We played it with the publisher. <laughs> Uh, and they uh, are taking a copy of it. Yep. So um, we're going to clean it up and send it out to them, uh, which is ridiculous because <laughs> we went from thinking we were going to have a probably not good play test to having a publisher interested. Um, yeah. Within the space of an hour and a half, two hours, it was, <laughs> yeah. thanks yeah. for playing, this isn't going to work, and then... Yeah. Talk to so that was pretty awesome. So thanks again, Nate. Good work. Uh, and thank you to everybody else who was playing it. They gave us feedback. Um, so that was that was really good. Uh, other than that, we did play some games. Went to Atwater, played some games. Uh, and then we went to the Dog Pit for dinner, uh, which is a hot dog place. It's pretty tasty. Because mm -hmm. um, we were we had a 7 o'clock game uh, meeting where Banana and I were going to show off uh, I'm Not Me. <clears throat> um, so, so, yeah, so let's talk about that. Um, with I'm Not Me... Uh, the game started off, I'm not going to go into a bunch of details about how the game works. Uh, I'll probably get Banana to come on so we can talk about that because it's changed a lot. Uh, we had a really great group of people for the playtest. Yeah, um, that was amazing. Um, <clears throat> like people that I, we would not normally get for a playtest, but Banana Chan was like, we're getting these really good people. Um, well, and then there was kind of like a, a gravity well, right? Like where, so a lot of the people that played were like the guests of the con. Yeah. Right. Yeah, they were yeah, listed yeah. as guests, but it was where like banana got a couple people over and then yeah, there's a gravity well and it kind of sucked yep. all the other guests in. Yeah. 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 Getting in one person brought two more. Um, uh, and those two are the people that gave the most pivotal feedback that mm -hmm. fixed the game. So, so we played the rounds of the game. It was, people were having a good time, but the scoring was jacked. It just wasn't working the way we wanted it to. I mean, it was, it wasn't bad. It just wasn't as engaging and it was distracting. The, the incentives and disincentives were kind of in the wrong places. Right. Um, and then a couple of the people, um, 
and I'm just, I'm just being intentionally vague here for now, um, for reasons you'll understand later. Uh, but <laughs> um, a couple of the people were like, "Wow, this is you know, this is cool." But and one of them was like, "I'm gonna, sh- we need to fix this scoring," and and uh, and so we fixed the scoring, and I was shocked that they like were like. <clears throat> They changed the scoring, and then they were like, let's play it again. And I was like, wow, this is interesting. <laughs> um, this person's a publisher. Um, and so uh, so they said, let's play a few more rounds like this. So we did. We got even more feedback. And then they said, hey, can you get me a copy of this once you do a little more development? I, I'm really interested in this. Um, first play test of a game. We didn't know if it would work. Um, technically, I guess that was the second part of the first play test because we did do half a game. Yeah. Um, well, we also came up with like a pretty funny... Uh, theme for the game, yeah. Because like one of the one of the things about the game is that um, since it's a role playing game, players kind of didn't feel entirely comfortable with how how they should approach the role playing, right? Um, and so, the kind of as everyone was playtesting, we were off in the corner, kind of coming up with funny ideas for how we can communicate to right. people. And I think we came up right. with a couple of pretty funny things. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, and they were off the wall and they worked really well for what this game is. And, and again, I'm sorry that we're being vague about the game. We'll talk more about it. Like I said, I'll get banana on the show and we'll actually sit down and talk about it. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it was ridiculously successful. Um, we didn't expect it to be so successful because it was the first play test. I mean, it was funny because I had actually said to banana ahead of time with the people she had asked, they said, the good news is if this is fun, but there's stuff wrong with it, these people are the ones that will be able to fix it, yeah. and they did. <laughs> so, as one of the playtesters for both versions, I can confirm it was, <laughs> yes. it was a lot, a lot of fun. The second, or both times, it was fun. The second time around, though, it was yes. amazing, and you could tell. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the gravity well thing was a, is a great example <laughs> of yeah how people just kept because there were like the last dude that sat down who gave really good feedback. You were taking notes from them. Yeah. They uh. They didn't even like. Well, well, one of them was like, "This isn't even my kind of game." Yeah, yeah. and yeah, that was their feedback. This isn't my kind of game, but <laughs> this was really cool. Um, and I don't even know how they—they they must have just seen us all over there and just came over and sat down. Well, people were smiling and laughing, and it yep. was—it was one of those things where it kind of attracted people yeah. by right. nature of that as well. Right, right. And there yeah. was some friendly competition in there, and it was good. And it so, was. Uh, I just want to point out real quick that once again. This was another playtest started during GrandCon that was prefaced with "This isn't going to work." <laughs> yes, and within <laughs> be, two hours had a publisher interested. Yeah, to yeah. be fair, to be fair, it didn't work <laughs> when we first played it. Fair but, point. Fair but point. by the end, it did, and yeah. So I was ta- um, I was talking to someone at the con, and one of the things I was saying is that this is one of the more successful ones in terms of um, people playing games, offering incredibly useful feedback. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like almost all the changes, like we we. And maybe it's we're getting better too, but um, we got so much feedback that turned into usable changes that made the game objectively better. Yeah, that's one of the things I really love about GrandCon is because it's such a small group and it attracts a lot of the designers and publishers. If you go to another con and get playtests, you get people that aren't uh, familiar with yeah. all the game mechanics and how things can work together. Right, which is amazing feedback because you need that. But to fix a lot of the nitty gritty stuff, it, the feedback from people who have been in this art form for as long is irreplaceable. Yes. And, and two, we also know each other really well. So we're getting feedback from people who know who you are as a designer. They know your style and you tend to get feedback that's more tailored to 
you don't get the outrageous feedback that's like, this goes against everything you were trying to do with this yeah. game, right? Yeah. Um, so we're almost out of time here. So I want to talk about one more thing. Um, uh, cause we're almost back to my house. Uh, I want to talk about Neil's, uh, Neil's oh, yeah. good thing that happened at the con. Well, both Kelly and I had pitches after yes. that. I pitched to a publisher. He sat down. I uh, showed him an earlier version uh, last year. He gave me some good feedback. I made some changes, and he really, really enjoyed it. This year, took a copy with him, and I'm trying to stay, keep my hopes from getting up, but <laughs> right, pretty excited. Right. right. Yeah. I always say that if a, when a publisher is excited enough to take a copy, even if they don't publish your game, you've been given the incredibly good feedback that your game is good enough to be published, yeah. right? Yes, so, yes, yes. Yeah. They saw something in your game, and that's what's important. Yeah. And then Neil. Yeah, I did a pitch for Rumrow. Yep. Uh, and we, t- I mean, that would. We talked for like an hour and a half or something yeah, like that yeah, yeah. total. Um, and really like it, it was that they liked the game uh, and that they just wanted me to amp up some stuff. Which were things you already planned on amping up. Which are things that I knew I needed to amp up, but I'm I'm a little bit worried about whether I'm going to be able to do that or not. You're going to be able to do it. We're yeah. going to work it out. I'm going to work it out. We're going to do it. Um, and they want me to repitch it to them once I make a couple of, of changes um, as soon as I can. Yep. And even we're willing to meet up with you yeah. um, locationally, like physically meet up with you so that you can play it with them, which yeah. is a tremendously good sign. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, this was, I think going into Grand Con, uh, none, none of the three of us would have said that it was going to be as successful as it was. Yeah. I think we all thought it would be a fun time with friends. Yes. Uh, and it turned out to be an amazingly fun time with friends. Also possibly a very successful designer weekend. So Yeah. And then right. I, had, I had also had a meeting about our top secret project yes. that we're doing together. Yes. Kind of where I'm I'm going to be doing a lot of the development on it, but uh, I got to sit down with uh, kind of someone that's going to be doing more of a consultancy role right. as a developer, but was able to give me like a lot of really good advice because this is, you know, I'm not a full-time game developer. Right. So I don't, I'm not. And this person is. This person <laughs> so, is. Yeah. Uh, and was able to kind of uh, help me get what what I'm planning to do over the next two or three months kind of nailed down. Yep, yep. Nice. And so we're going to reconvene on that, but this is real good. Like, this puts yeah. us in a really good spot to move forward with this. Um, I was I got to hear a broad overview and a little bit of details, uh, privy to the secret, and I am very excited that this could be happening. Yeah, it's going to be It's going to be awesome. Um, and it'll only take a couple of years. Yeah, and it will take a couple of years to get where we're going. But uh, thanks to that that person, we have some really strong ideas about how to handle all that and how to move us forward. And I'm excited about the story of the game. Yes. Like, that should be really neat. Yes. This game will be like not like things you've seen before. It should be really, really fresh and, and cool. So, Well, on that note, uh, we are back to my house. So uh, we're going to call this... Um, yeah, so hey, if you want to get in touch with us, you can uh, send me an email at, at podcastbtg, or you'd be better off calling our <laughs> voicemail at 770-TELL-BTG. Um, if you want to leave a message for a specific uh, host, you can go ahead and uh, send that uh, as a message. Uh, you can put in the message which host you want. Uh, in addition to that, you can find uh, podcast on the Twitter at podcastbtg. You can find me on the Twitter at jaslingerland. Neil is at pottedmeat. And Kelly is at uh, Kenny Ho, which is mm-hmm. K-E-N-E-H-O, yep. right? Uh, yeah. 
that is all the details. So uh, like us and stuff. Give us some reviews. I want more reviews on. Uh, I want more reviews on um, iTunes. So mm-hmm. give us more iTunes reviews. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Somebody, by the way, we still have like a four point nine rating on there. Somebody gave us a one star review, and uh, that's totally fine. I'm just pissed that they didn't bother to leave feedback, like <laughs> because I really want to understand your one star review, like. We can't. Uh, it's Rob. Yeah, it was Rob. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rob's like podcast. Everything's doesn't... terrible. Yeah. <laughs> Rob just rated the podcast bad. Because it was a newer review, I believe. Mm-hmm. So I would love to know what it was. But alas, we'll never know. Maybe with Rob going, you stop sounding like that person's uncle. Yeah, it could be. They changed the review from five stars to one star. <laughs> so, all right. Well, hey, thanks, guys, for being a part of the podcast this week. Uh, and uh, yep. for all the fun we had at Grand Con. Well, thank you for having us, and it was wonderful to see you. Again you as well. All right, builders, uh, good night. Building the game with Jason and friends, with Jason and friends. Building the game, building the game with Jason and friends, with Jason and friends. Dial 770-TELL-BGG. Please don't use the email. <laughs>